Welcome back to Ravens Recap. All right, so the Ravens are just coming off a huge win against Jacksonville, which came before a very dramatic Monday night football game against Cleveland. Two games left. The Ravens now have a game against the New York football giants coming into town. Uh, and all signs look, yet again, a game the Ravens should win, but they just got to go out and once again execute like they're – this game is a must-win because that's exactly what it is with the way the AFC playoff standings are. Wait, Peter, I have to ask: Was the New York Football Giants was that a ploy on the on the football team? Is this like the, the, uh, N- the NFC East is just like the football like blank? Oh, um, it wasn't meant as that. We could use it as that. I um, love it. No, 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 leave no, it. I love it. They definitely say football Giants. I think where the right. Giants like also have a baseball team in, in New right, York. Right, San point. Francisco Giants. I think it was more so used. I really? think back. Yeah, it was more so used back in like the 20s or whatever when the Giants were actually a baseball team in New York before they moved out west. So it was to differentiate the the, the New York Giants of football from the New York Giants of baseball. Oh man, today uh, I learned. I didn't know that. And most oh, of yeah. the commentators were alive back then, and so they keep saying it. <laughs> That's true. I thought I uh, thought so- we said that Peter wasn't listening to the commentators. He had to listen to them all on mute. <laughs> Well, apparently, I must have remembered this from from my uh, days before listening from on mute to keep thousands a of other times that they've said it. Infold, that yeah, I have not paid attention. Asleep. <laughs> but yeah, they are the New York Football Giants, or the former New York Football Giants, whichever you want to look at them as. But <laughs> they are coming in right. to the bank to play the Ravens, and yeah, I don't know how this game's going to be, guys. Because I don't know about you, but I did watch some of that Sunday night football game against the Browns and the Giants to kind of use as some research for this game. I couldn't make it through it. It was one of the most boring football games I've ever seen. <laughs> well, this nice. team's definitely like playing a little bit better now. They started the season off one and seven, and then they went on a four game winning streak uh, to allow themselves to actually be in the playoff hunt, which is ridiculous that the Ravens have to be contemplating getting into the playoffs. And this team is like on the inside track at a uh, beautiful five and nine but anyways um (laughs) like going to have a losing record for sure might also make the playoffs ridiculous hopefully we stifle their chances a little bit with a big win on sunday but they were able to beat the football team which is an okay win eagles and Bengals, not great and then the seahawks was actually a pretty impressive victory i know the seahawks have been world beaters uh like they were earlier in the season but Definitely a good team. Yeah, I think my first takeaway from looking at this team is, again, they're, as I described the Browns and the Colts before them, uh, an enigma. Like, this team has looked very bad this year. And then, like we said, they had an impressive game against the Seahawks where they pretty much shut down that offense. And it really didn't win that game by any means of an overpowering offense themselves because I think they only scored 17 points in that game. But the defense of this team, while not great, uh, is still a a unit that has some guys there that can cause some problems. And if a team underestimates them, could get into a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and I think they're definitely making a name for themselves on defense more so than offense. We definitely have seen between just having injuries all over offense and not having as much talent there that the offense has been sputtering. But you've got... Good players like Leonard Williams, who's no longer on the Jets, 
uh, playing on defense for the Giants now. And um, Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson have also been performing this year on the interior of their defensive line. So it'll be critical to see how we're able to perform against them in the run game. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the Ravens offense completely runs through the run game. And we saw a similar thing, a similar team, I should say, in the Cleveland Browns on the Sunday night game. The Browns also like to have their offense funnel through the run game. And, you know, the the Browns, they, they struggled rushing in that game. Chubb only had 50 yards on the ground. He did have a touchdown. Uh, 21 yards for Hunt. 24 for Ernest Johnson. So only 106 yards in total for that offense. So you do look at that and you see how well this Cleveland rushing offense has been clicking on all cylinders the the previous couple weeks coming into this game. I think the Ravens have to look at that and with some concern that they're not just going to be able to to do everything that they want to do at will like they were against Jacksonville last week. At least there's the potential for that. Right. Definitely the key for the Ravens is to figure out what they can do, where, where the matchups are going to be. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what the you know the Giants uh, linebackers and, and secondaries kind of look like. It's it's been a while since I've looked at them. I'd feel pretty good about the the Ravens O line up against their defensive line, even though they're performing really well. But the key is really just going to be okay. Well, you know, if we can't run the ball, what can we do? You know, do we have to start passing over the middle, doing the more intermediate routes? Like, you know, what, what's going to open up the offense here if we can't rely as much on the run game? Um, for me, I'd, I'd probably look at like J.K. Dobbins and some of the success that he had on some of those sweeps and outside runs and be like, look, if the Giants don't have the speed to get to the edge, like we can kind of neutralize some of the guys on the interior. And we already know that Lamar Jackson's got that outside speed too. So, Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that they have a, a good defense, that should not stop the Ravens' offensive attack. And if they do, I guess, stifle us, I would be very concerned because while it's their strength, they're still a 5-9 and nine football team. Right. Well, I think what's interesting when we bring up their record is, like, you look throughout the season, they this defense has slowed down rushing attacks and, and more so passing attacks. Now, the Browns did have a pretty big passing night on Sunday Night Football, 297 yards and two touchdowns for Baker. Uh, but that was because, well, mainly because James Bradbury, who we just saw got voted to the Pro Bowl, was out. And when he's been in, the Giants have been able to hold some pretty big offensive names to some lower production than these guys are used to. Uh, Just throwing out some names, Cooper Cup, five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown against the Giants. Allen Robinson, three catches for 33 yards. Mike Evans, five for 55 and a touchdown. Metcalf, five for 80, but held out of the end zone. It looked like Bradbury was out against the Browns because he was on the COVID list. I don't know if it was because he actually had COVID or because of close contact, but he was activated from the COVID list today. So I would expect that he will be playing in Sunday's matchup. Yeah, it seems like their secondary is also decently strong. Xavier McKinney is a name that we might recognize from the draft. He was a guy that some people thought we should take in over Queen and had a big injury earlier in the season that limited his play. And we're just now starting to see his impact on the field. And you know how that is with defensive players. It usually takes many games, maybe even a whole season for them to warm up. And we're seeing that out of his progression. It'll be interesting to see Xavier McKinney and Patrick Queen on the field in the same game. Because as we said in the previous episode, Patrick Queen's really starting to turn the corner despite some early struggles in his rookie season. 
and it'll so it'll be interesting to see both these guys play on the same field and just kind of see where both them them are two guys who could have been taken at around the same spot in the draft if we're looking at this Giants team while their defense is at least you could say at least league average strength I don't know really how well I, I want to say that this team really is on the defensive side of the ball what has hurt this team is that their offense has just been dismal this year uh, it doesn't matter if it's Daniel Jones under center Colt McCoy they lost Saquon Barkley week one was it he's been out week for two. almost the entire was it week two yeah he's been week out for one, almost he the only got season. two fantasy points and then <laughs> week two he got like 0.5 before he got injured that's right not that i that's right not that yeah. i had him in two leagues and got completely stifled <laughs> man yeah i forgot that the steelers just completely stifled him that was that was a very interesting stat line in that game if you look back on that not one you see it's certainly not from someone like barkley but but yeah outside of barkley this i mean Wayne Gallman had a nice stretch. Uh, if you played DFS, he was your your lock in cash games for about a six week stretch. Um, but real life production was fine, not world beating, absolutely from that stretch of the imagination. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard have been inconsistent. Is probably the best way you could describe their seasons this year. Evan Ingram, when they want to use him, can have a big game, but for whatever reason, doesn't seem like he's a priority week in and week out in their game plans. So, yeah, I think despite the fact that this defense is strong, like I think if the Ravens can get an early lead in this game, I think it's over because I don't think this offense can can come back from even a 10-point deficit. So who here believes that Jason Garrett was actually put on the Giants as an undercover operation by Jerry Jones? Raise your hand. <laughs> Well, for the listeners at home, Chris raised his hand. <laughs> I don't know. It could happen. Jerry's very loyal to his guys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is that is crazy. Like, that is another thing that is different about this game than last week's game. Was, was last week, you had a team that is probably just, just wants the season to be over. They've had to go through all these COVID protocols and you know, all this added stress of a season and they've been mathematically out of it for weeks. So this team, the Jaguars weren't putting up any, any of a fight to win this game. However, the giants, if they win this week and the football team in Dallas lose, they're in first place in the NFC East. So it's like, you got two teams that are fighting for their, uh, playoff lives. Yet clearly one of them is, uh, much more talented than the other <laughs> i still can't believe that i know we talked about that at the top that's just it's crazy we we go through this every couple of years when there's just one division of football that's just atrocious you know the last one i remember was i think it was the was it the 79 panthers i think that won their division everybody was like yeah. that's crazy but now we're like we don't even know if the nfc east is going to get a seven to nine team that is not a guarantee at all like it could be six and ten i'm winning the division like i mean it's looking like it's going to be six and ten about to dish out an L. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just insane. But then you realize that, like, oh, this is the NFC East, and they have like some of the biggest franchises in football, and like nothing's going to happen. Like, like the owners are too powerful to be able to, you know, do any of this stuff because, of course, you know, whoever wins the division is going to win the division. They're the fourth seat. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's one of those crazy things that you know these uh, these teams at the end of the season are still 
they're all in it. <laughs> you know. Well, hey, you know, I was thinking on the ride home today. I really want to hear back from our two disgruntled Eagles fans. Jalen Hurts is looking decent. I mean, he ain't the best passer in the world, but he's putting up numbers and he's playing. So I'm curious how they feel after two games of seeing him as a starter. Yeah. The Cowboys, too. I mean, they look like crap when they played against us, but I saw the end of that game against San Francisco. Like, they turned around. They look really good in that game, especially the defense. But Yeah, they're not out, are they? No. <laughs> None of them are. Because I was looking at the standings <laughs> before this episode, and I'm just like, because I, I thought that the media was saying that, that the Cowboys' playoff hopes were extinguished after the Ravens beat them. But I was look, looking up at the standings before this episode, and I'm just like, wait, the, the Cowboys are just one win away from being in first place. I mean, I guess Washington maybe has the tiebreaker over them. They beat them on Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if they played outside of that. But yeah, this is a this is crazy. I do really hope. I really hope that the Bears can hold on here and win out and get 9-7 and seven, and that the Cardinals can win at least one game so that the NFL can still still have to face with the fact that they expanded playoffs and they're still going to leave a team with a winning record out that has a better record than a division winner. <laughs> that would be something. That would be something, man. But yeah, let's let's go back to the Giants. I, I think, so you guys might be able to fill me in on this, but like Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, who's going to play? Was, was Jones benched for an injury reason or was that because of his play? Jones got hurt. Uh, against Cincinnati and then he came back against Arizona and didn't play well and I forget if he got hurt again or was benched for bad play but I think he got hurt again because again I watched some of that game on Sunday night Colt McCoy is the worst quarterback I've seen start a game in a while like (laughs) the guy can't hit a receiver in stride and when he does hit a receiver they dropped it it was and they're playing at an insanely slow pace like it's a bad, a really bad offense right now that the Giants are bringing in to M&T Bank Stadium. Yep. I mean, this is uh, a team with a much better record and with more strengths, but candidly, I kind of want to see the exact same result we saw against the Jaguars. We need to get out early, pedal to the metal, and never let them have a chance. They don't deserve it. They're not good enough. All right, so... Daniel Jones did not start the Sunday night football game because he was still hobbled by a right hamstring and left ankle injury. So I'm pretty sure the injury against Cincinnati was just a hamstring. And I think this left ankle must have happened against Arizona. So yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on his health and the way he's able to perform because either of those guys don't scare me. Even like full strength, Danny Dimes is just not interesting to me. Like that's a horrible nickname. <laughs> no dimes are passed. Oh, it doesn't help that, you know, everybody has said for a few years now that he looks exactly like Eli Manning. It's just they wanted Eli, but 15 years younger. Another thing to look at, I guess, with this team, again, I think that the Ravens defense is in a smash spot here because you also look at the left side of the offensive line here. Uh, If you guys remember back to our NFL draft preview, uh, we highlighted... Andrew Thomas out of Georgia as clearly the best offensive lineman in the draft. Maybe a guy that the Ravens might want to draft, but was certainly not going to be on the board by the time the Ravens picked. He wasn't. He was picked by the Giants at like number four overall. Uh, But he has struggled this year. He is currently tied, according to PFF, for the most uh, quarterback pressures allowed this season. Uh, Now he has that the rate of pressures has 
decreased since the bye week, but he's still, like you said, he's he's still high up there. And then at next him at left guard, Shane Lemieux, or Lemieux, I did know how to pronounce that at one point, uh, but <laughs> gosh, <laughs> listener Alice is is not going to be happy with my incorrect French pronunciation there, but. <laughs> Yeah, he has been forced into the starting lineup, not due to an injury to the starting left guard, but due to poor play by Will Hernandez. But uh, Shane, we'll just go by his first name here, (laughs) since he's been in the the starting lineup, has ranked last in overall grade by PFF. So we could see a lot more sacks again from this Ravens unit on Sunday. Ears pinned back, gear up. I hope we do see some sacks. I think another person to keep an eye on is Evan Ingram. He's a matchup nightmare. He has the size and the speed. He could be able to, you know, protect the quarterback and not go out on a passing route, maybe stop one of our outside linebackers, or give him a run for their money in the open field. But similar to our divisional rival, Eric Ebron, he has all the intangibles and athletic gifts, but he has the dropsies. Inconsistent. Can't actually get it done. So... Will he have a game against us? I hope not. Yeah, he's really the only player I could see from the Giants' offense making this a game. Uh, Darius Slayton had some moments last year, but really hasn't been terribly good this year. Also drops the football. Sterling Shepard, even when he's on, he's a possession receiver, so he's just going to be a, a move-the-chains guy for you. And yeah, like we, we talked about on the run game, it's uh, the Wayne Gallman alfred Morris show, and... That's about as exciting as it sounds. So <laughs> I, I'm i not trying to underestimate the Giants here. It's just you even look at the New York media, which I mean, obviously, the New York media is the most blunt in sports, even probably more so than the Philadelphia media. And I was reading some reactions on the performance the Giants had last night. And yeah, nothing terribly flattering at all in, in any of that. <laughs> Well, certainly Ravens fans, I think, should feel a lot better about uh, some of the guys that we have to to handle, you know, Ingram. I mean, we've had some, you know, great play by uh, by Tyus Bowser in particular, especially in coverage. He's been pretty good. We're hoping to see probably a little bit more of a bounce back game for some guys like Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott. You know, maybe they might be assigned to Ingram on some plays. You know, they've, they've been okay. I, I don't know if they've been as good as, as they were last year. Just like kind of some good games, kind of some bad games. Clark could have had a, an interception this last game against the Jags, but uh, it was actually a really good play that he had. You know, wasn't able to bring it in. So, uh, we're, you know, we're hoping that they might be up to the task and and handling some of these guys. Yeah, I definitely wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Chuck Clark almost had a pick in that game, and it'd be great to see him actually bring it in in this game. All right, so moving on to the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens. Like we said, Cleveland was able to have success against this team with Bradbury out, but as he's expected to play, it's going to be a little bit tougher f- for them there. But yeah, I think we're going to see, once again, Ravens do those multiple running back sets again, get Gus Edwards involved, Dobbins on the jet sweeps, just pound the rock and try and control the clock. Because once again, uh, if you have long sustained drives with the way that this Giants offense is running with an excruciatingly slow pace of play. That's going to be a recipe for success in this game. Certainly. Definitely want to keep seeing the Ravens perform. I would love to see a little bit more out of Duvernay. He seems to definitely have been losing some snaps lately. 
And while I'm glad to see that Boykin has made some plays, Sneed's Mr. Consistent, Marquise is starting to really earn back his, his moniker. He's getting really close. I think the one thing that'd be great to see is how, how can Duvernay fit into this offense? Peter had a really good observation, I think. It was you, right? It was me, of course. Who else would it be? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm kidding. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you're right. It was you. <laughs> if anything, it's surprising that it's me, again, because of my sleep deprivation. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I cannot remember seeing Duvernay targeted much, if at all, since the fateful play against Tennessee where Lamar chucked it deep and Duvernay completely misplayed the ball didn't understand the route he was supposed to run whichever it was and that caused the interception and that play was really the turning point in that game where the game started to get out of the Ravens control and and Duvernay you know whether or not he has been targeted since he was starting to build a role for himself in the offense he was getting more snaps seeing a couple more targets per game but nothing since then and you know he might be in the coach's doghouse I don't know it seems like after that, that's when we saw Boykin come back, who himself was in the doghouse and wasn't getting as much playing time as he was early in the season. But yeah, I agree. It's great to see Boykin step up and make some plays. But if we could have Boykin and Duvernay step up, along with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, and whatever Des plays they want to roll out there that doesn't kill the offense, preferably at a minimum... But, yeah, the, the more playmakers you have going into the playoffs, the better team you're going to be. So, hopefully, whatever's going on with Duvernay, he can get over and add his spark to this offense. Well, certainly, if he is in the doghouse, he's not there because of a special teams play. I still think he's been a, a very good kick returner this year for us. Him and Prochet definitely have helped a lot on special teams. It might just be, you know, the Ravens are trying to figure out, you know, what weapons they will need to have on offense. We saw that they added some new wrinkles against the Jags, um, some things that definitely look pretty good. It's not Roman's forte. His forte is definitely the run game and tight ends. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a longer experiment. You know, I don't I don't think he's going to turn into like a superstar overnight, but he definitely has a place in this team moving forward. I wouldn't say that we've given up on him yet. From the defensive side of the ball, I want to see Patrick Queen continue to show that he's making growth and progression. And I want to see, hopefully, some more quality play out of Averett so that we can feel more comfortable as Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith get healthy again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, two guys on defense, I think that, you know, I really want to look for. I mean, you know, we, we already said that the guys have a good matchup this week as far as the pass rush is concerned. I'm hoping that between Judon and Agakwe and, and some of the other guys that there will be a few sacks. However many there are, I, I'm not sure. But what I think is more important for me is is some of the guys who are like, you know, some of the unsung heroes, some of the, you know, BC level guys of like, you know, aren't the best, but they're good enough for their spots. Um, be nice to see them step up and to, and to make some plays this game, especially with another game that's very winnable for the Ravens. We think these last two matchups, the Ravens are, are more than likely going to win them, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances. So for me, it's like Justin Matabuke. I definitely want to see more plays from him. I think he's been making a lot of uh, good plays on film. He hasn't shown up in the stat sheet so much, but man, is he disruptive. would like to see more of that against the Giants. I'd also like to see some guys like Deshaun Elliott step up as well. 
see them make a, a few more splash plays. Would certainly like for Elliott in particular to have uh, fewer lapses in coverage. You know, maybe a tip pass or a pass deflection might be nice. Closing over from from center field, that would be good to see. He's always been a late uh, to some of those passes. I think one more thing that we want to see is just uh, back to back weeks of one or less sacks given up by this offensive line. Uh, they do have a tougher matchup than they did against Jacksonville, certainly, but not one that's insurmountable. So it would be great to see the line build on their positive, despite the fact that it was an easy matchup against Jacksonville, and continue to just keep Lamar upright. All right, so now we're going to go into bold predictions, which we actually did really well. This this It might have been our best uh, week of the year. Undoubtedly. <laughs> undoubtedly we were, we've been so bad all year <laughs> <laughs> it's like so chris hit his on the nail he said he said tyler huntley sees the field in the fourth quarter that happened uh alex said three sacks for yannick yannick got two and then i said we were going to see a offensive full house as far as touchdowns which i said was going to be three different players got a rushing touchdown and two got a reception touchdown and we almost did that except we had Two players get a rushing touchdown, Lamar and J.K., and three reception touchdowns in Mandrews, Dez, and Boykin. So I don't know if we want to—do we want to give a half point for me and Alec there? Because we were close. Maybe two-thirds of a point for Alec. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought—Alec, I thought you had two You had two sacks for Yonk and Calais, right? You each. didn't have three. You had two sacks said, each? Two sacks each. Mm. But wait, no, nah, Alec— I, I'm fine with that, but I thought I thought Alec in the last episode you said you adjusted to three when you saw that Calais was out. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, so it, it was it was two sacks for each of them. When Calais was out, I had to up the ante for my boy. Got it, Yannick, and you know he wasn't quite able to deliver, but that's okay. That's I mean three sacks in a game that's been legendary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've had that since Doomerville, or maybe no. Judon's done it, hasn't he? Judon's done it. Yeah, yeah. he's done it. Yeah, yeah. That like twenty. 18, 2017 game against the Titans where we had like nine sacks or something ridiculous. I think he had three that game. No, I I was willing to give it to Alec because, you know, we record on Monday or Tuesday. So, you know, obviously we don't know who's going to be out by the time we record these predictions. So I I was prepared to give it to Alec because, you know, Ngakwe definitely showed up. Peter, I was going to say, like, I mean, you were right. Well, we got the full house. I mean, I, I feel like if we go back and, and listen to the recording, we'd be like, the, the important part is that the Ravens have the full house and not, like, who are, who are the players that in the full house we're getting, right? right? So I, I, I'd be willing to do that, especially because my prediction Spirit. seems a lot less bold <laughs> compared to yours. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will say I'm happy that Alec got his bold prediction this is, unless we have this inc- not updated correctly, this is Alex's first correct bold prediction of the season, which means he is now tied with guest picks, where we had, <laughs> where we've only, we've only had Titans fan Tim's bold prediction of Henry and Brown will show up <laughs> as a hit. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> which have, isn't even a bold prediction. Know, Come on. I know. We're, we're, we're going to have to make a rule next year that has to be like some sort of statistic or like event and not just like... Yeah, they they're playing the game. They suited up. <laughs> <laughs> they suited up. They they played around expectation, which is good. Like they're good players. Yeah. Uh, cash lineup. All right. I'm ready to pre- give a bold prediction and a score prediction. Sound good? All right. 
Here we go. Bold prediction. Mark Ingram is active and gets 50 yards running. Oh, 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 I do like that. Oh, that is one thing we didn't get to talking about, which was, you know, the how the Ravens said there's definitely a place for, for Mark in this offense, and then he's just not active against Jacksonville. But, again, I guess he just kind of got lumped in with all the other uh, vets who were nursing injuries, and obviously he wasn't needed, so... Well, like I said, I think if the Ravens had their stable of consistent workhorse cornerbacks, they wouldn't feel the need to have a lot of same-ish options in depth. But I think because they know so little about these guys, and because it's a place that we are vulnerable, if we have another injury, they wanted to have as many available as possible. Whereas with running back, like if you had to just run two of the three that were active, it would be fine, no matter which two you had. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. Score prediction? My score prediction is the Ravens win 38-7. to Exact same prediction as you had last week. Oh, I'm very predictable human sometimes. Uh, fun <laughs> fact, 38 is uh, Alex's favorite number to predict the Ravens will score. He has predicted the Ravens will score 38 points six times this season, uh, including <laughs> week two, back-to-back in week 10 and uh, nine. And then three weeks in a row, week 14, 15, and 16. And apparently I think it's a good number. down weeks 12 and, thir- 12 and 13. Yeah, I noticed that I need to fix it. I'm like, you're never not here. You're <laughs> always here. <laughs> Only Peter and I have been out. Yeah, I noticed I need to go listen back and fix it. All right, so I'm going to go bold. This is very bold. I'm going to say, uh, so yeah, you guys reminded me of that game back in 2018 when the Ravens pass rush just demolished Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee offense. So I'm going to go that the Ravens have twice as many sacks as they did against Jacksonville. 10 sacks, one for each loss that the Giants will have on the season after the Ravens win this game 27 to 13. Whoa. 10 sacks, they scored 13 points. Explain that one. <laughs> Uh, slow pace of play. Ravens are just uh, grinding the clock out on the run, and the Giants are making no hurry to do anything on offense. But they somehow managed to score 13 points despite 10 sacks. There's a, there's a special teams touchdown in there. Okay. Ravens, Ravens kickoff coverage has been very good, but not perfect this year. All right. All right. Interesting. I like overall the whole the whole premise. Hey. Again, like I'm saying here, like the Giants are another team that I can't quite figure out on this year. Like their offense is is bizarre for where we are as far as how offenses have evolved in the NFL. They're a throwback offense. Their defense is not bad. And like we said, they've had some strong performances, at least on the defensive side of the ball, against some good offenses this year, but just haven't been able to to finish things off. So I will say, like, I'm slightly nervous about this game. I think the Ravens have an excellent chance to win it, but I could see a scenario where they screw it up. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but... This is the game that has the least playoff implications for the Ravens. I think I read that if they lose this game, their chances of getting into the playoffs are almost identical, just because it doesn't really change any tiebreakers. That's true, but is 10-6 and going to make it this year? I think like overall record is is the most important thing to look at right now. 
I mean, it could, but we're not going to find out until these next two weeks play out. So, Right. Let's hope we don't need to, th- to think about that. Let's just hope the Ravens can take care of business against a team that is inferior, even if they are a bit odd, and it can just be the easy tiebreakers we have to worry about. <laughs> All right. I will wrap this up. So for me, I'm feeling it. You know what? We'll go with this. We'll go bold. I'm feeling that Marlon Humphrey is going to tie the season record for most forced fumbles by a cornerback at 10. I think he's going to get two more forced fumbles that'll tie the record. I'm definitely not going to say that he's going to beat it because three forced fumbles in the game is a lot. (laughs) Definitely a lot, even for a player like Humphrey. So I'm going to say he ties it up. I'm feeling pretty good about this game, guys. I feel like... (laughs) I feel like this is kind of strange. This is more of like an Alec thing, but I'm going to go like, I'm going to say the Ravens keep their offensive streak alive and they score over 40 points. I'm thinking like 42-13 Ravens. Nice. I think we're all in agreement, guys. We got to just get this dub and I want it to be a good one. It'd suck if it was a, ah, they just got over the finish line. Like another confidence gaining performance where they dominate and they just show what they're made of is exactly what we need. It is the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking where the, the team has rallied after the COVID protocol. I mean, you know, we've been talking about it for the last couple of recap episodes where, you know, they were down a lot of players versus the Steelers, but they hung in there and they had a chance to win that game. If you have one of the guys who were on the COVID list back in that game, that could have made the difference in that. The Steelers just look awful. So the Ravens definitely had to be really proud to come out of that game. But then every game since then, it's just been like a huge confidence builder. They ran all over the Cowboys. They had that incredible game against the Browns and won that at the last minute. It's a huge confidence booster. And following it up with that dominating performance at home against the Jaguars. I mean, they just got to keep taking this as far as it's going to go. They're certainly not perfect. They've got a lot of things to clean up. But, you know, at this point, like, I think the Ravens are one of the teams that other teams just don't want to see right now thanks so much for listening to ravens recap we'll wrap it up with that what are your bold predictions let us know you can follow us ravens underscore recap or email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. we'd love to hear your thoughts on the game we're excited to see this game another beautiful sunday one o'clock game <laughs> it's great for our schedules to just have consistency get to see the ravens win and hopefully see somebody fall that needs to fall for us so that we can feel much better going into week 17. That'd be a great Christmas gift. Holy crap, the Bengals are up three to nothing. Stop the count! <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs>